Okay, good evening, everyone. Thank you to the worship team. Appreciate you guys, as always. You're doing a fantastic job leading us here in this season. Uh, I want to welcome everyone to RUF Spring Term, and I want to say congrats on finishing the winter semester. I know it uh, it may feel like at this point going into spring term, you're operating at like 30% academic productivity and, and struggling to stay motivated. I'm, I'm really impressed with what it takes to do college class remotely, so uh, way to go. You only have a few more weeks. Um, and I know that for some, uh, the disappointment of being away from friends and campus has sort of worn off by now, and you're making the most of it, and you're doing pretty well. And for others, the pain is, is still fresh. And for others, the, the beginning of spring term is bringing on uh, new waves of sadness as we long for the, the travel that we would have taken, or the experiences with friends, or the, the closure of end-of-year celebrations, and of course, commencement for our, for our seniors. I want to remind you that God's at work, and He's with us. And we will continue to gather as a community to worship Him and to seek Him in His Word. We're going to start a new little mini-series just for this week and next week during spring term on the temptations of Christ from Matthew 4. This is a, it's a fascinating passage, and it comes right after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. So if you're, if you're familiar with that, Jesus goes down to, to, the, to the river and after John baptizes him and he comes out of the water, the heavens are opened and the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove. And a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. This is Jesus' grand announcement. He's, he's publicly anointed with water and the Spirit and heralded by heaven as the one who comes in the name of the Lord, even God's own Son. And you probably wouldn't expect that the next thing would happen is that Jesus would go spend 40 days alone without eating or drinking in the wilderness. But, but that's what happens. And so that's where we'll pick up in Matthew 4, verse 1. Just the first four verses, and then we'll finish this, we'll finish this passage next week. But uh, please read along with me. It's going to be up on your screen. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you were the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he does love us. Let me pray, and we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, I am grateful for this chance to, to gather online. I'm thankful for Ben getting to be with us tonight. I'm thankful for all the ways that you're at work in our lives. And we do ask for grace to see you more. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be at work right now through your words so that we might know you and love you more and love each other. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of our family projects during, during quarantine so far has been to plant a small vegetable garden in our backyard. I'm pulling up a picture to show you. We made two four by eight raised beds and we filled them with good soil and we fenced them in so that the rabbits and the deer that exist even here in the bustling metropolis of Lexington can't get at them. And uh, we planted lettuce and some strawberries in our, in our raised beds and then we've planted some tomatoes and peppers and basil in some, some small boxes that we keep up on our porch and we're gonna, we're gonna transplant them into the, into the raised beds when they get a little hardier. And the lettuce is crushing it. Can, can you guys see, the, can you see my lettuce? I mean, are you kidding me? Is that beautiful or what? Uh, we, we planted this from seed and it, it just grew really well and, and really fast. But the basil has not grown as fast. And, and basil is a big deal to us because my kids' favorite food in the world is uh, pasta with pesto sauce. 
and we really, really want to make our own. But like a month into our garden, the basil is like less than an inch high. It, it just doesn't seem to be, to be growing. And, and we water it and we wait and we watch. And the next day it's still the same, a, a teeny little sprout with like two leaves the size of your pinky fingernail. And so we water it and we wait and we watch and the next morning comes and, it, and it's, it's still the same. And if you're like me, this is how many of us are feeling about our lives with God right now. This is how we're doing spiritually. Like our life, our, our spiritual life is there, but it, it seems frail and weak and we wish it was growing. And we want this season of life. We feel like we've been told this season is supposed to be this season of epic growth and fruitfulness, but the weeks are passing by and nothing is, nothing is really happening. And I want a shortcut. Like I want some miracle product for my basil that will make it grow faster, will make it look better, will make it ready for harvest sooner. And I want that for my own heart. I want a, I want a shortcut to holiness and peace and joy. I want some insight, some way of making things better, making my trust and my faith and my joy, my experience of God increase all of a sudden. And I think that's what this first temptation of Jesus is all about. It's, it's a temptation to take a shortcut. It's a temptation to stop waiting on God, to stop trusting Him to grow you, and to take matters into your own hands. Satan has, is saying to Jesus, God isn't giving you what you need right now. Do it yourself. Fix it yourself. If you want, you can have a huge basil plant right now ready for dinner, right? All you have to do is stop depending on God and become self-sufficient. So, so what I want to do as we look at this passage, I, I want to talk about this temptation. I want to talk about trust, and I want to talk about a technique, okay? Temptation, trust, and technique. So, so first, the temptation. This, this passage is it's actually really scary when you think about it, and a lot of different questions come up when you read it. One of the questions is, uh, what, what is God's Spirit doing here? Is God's Spirit tempting Jesus to sin, and does God tempt us to sin? Uh, and the answer is no. God, God does not ever lead us into sin, but God actually will lead us into difficult and even tempting circumstances when that testing of our faith is for our good. Uh, and to be honest, that's my prayer for this, this season of life for us and for believers dur- during coronavirus, that God would be using this, this season of, of testing and temptation and struggle for, for the good of our faith, even though uh, for, if you're like me, it can be hard to see at times. And then the, the other you know, sobering reality here is that the devil is real and really wants to tempt us away from devotion to our Father. And his tactic is to hit us in in our weak spots. And you see that in what he says to Jesus. Jesus was hungry, and so the the temptation involves food, right? And so the temptation here, it it focuses on Jesus' weak spot, and it's an attempt to get him to take a shortcut, to get him to stop waiting on God, to take matters into his own hands, to make some food right now with his power. And so as we think about how this applies to our own lives, we have to start by asking, where are our weak spots right now? Where are you hungry and weak? Where are you experiencing frailty or frustration or impatience or anger this week? I think for some, our weak spot is things like tension in relationship with someone in our family. Or for some, it's it's laziness in our devotional life that's making us feel distant. For some of us, maybe for many of us, it's it's loneliness. For some of us, it's, it's the never-ending feeling of just being overwhelmed with uncertainty about every part of our lives moving forward, right? Where, where are you feeling like you have weak spots? And we need to pay attention to this because the enemy of God, Satan, he wants to press on you and me in those places. And his pressure on you is to take a shortcut, 
is to stop trusting God and to take matters into your own hands. And, and we do this in all kinds of ways. Like we're in conflict and tension with our family, so we take, we take a shortcut of making our life about self-pity and victimization. It's where we, we turn every situation in such a way that it's our parents who are selfish and unkind and we're like the perfect innocent victim. I did this from ages like 12 to 14 to my parents. Uh, for, for some of us, we're struggling with loneliness and so you take the shortcut of pornography so that you can feed on, on a false and broken connection to a person on a screen that isn't really real. Or some of us are feeling distant from God and so we try and create out of thin air a, a spiritual experience. Uh, we use social media for stuff like this where we, we talk about and post about things that, that seem like spiritual that we're not really experiencing. We're, we're trying to create some shortcut. And we have to start to recognize that our, our weak spots and we have to start to notice the shortcuts that we're being tempted to take and, and make up for it on our own. Where are you being tempted? That's a temptation. The, the second thing that I want to look at uh, is, is trust. Because I think at the root of all temptation and sin is a question about trust. The, the devil here starts by saying to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son. It, it kind of reminds me of the serpent in the garden saying, did God really say to you? He, he's trying to bring in this doubt. And remember that right before this, literally right before this, at the end of chapter 3, this voice from heaven booms out that Jesus is the Son. But, but to chip away at Jesus, the devil tries to make him doubt what God has said about him. And he does the same for us. He tries to chip away at what God says about us. So, so we got to remember, what, what does God say about us? What's the center of the message of God's word to us? What's the heart behind the death and resurrection of Jesus to save us from sin? What, what word could you give to sum it up if you only had one word to sum it up? It's love. It's love. God is love. That's the three-word summary of the whole story that, that the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, says in 1 John 4. Or, or again, he says it famously in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. Why has God done all that he's done? It's out of love for us who are his children. And, and the devil's tactic is to try and get you to forget or to be distracted away from this fundamental truth that God who made you loves you. And, and I really think, in fact, that the devil is terrified that we might remember it, that we might hold on to our trust in God's love for us. And so, and so that leads us to the technique, okay? What, what is the technique that we can employ against this temptation to a shortcut? This, this temptation to take matters into our own hands because we don't really trust. We, ha we have to find a way to build up our trust and our experience and our assurance and our delight in God's love for us. Because when we do, we won't want to take shortcuts that lead us away from God. We won't want to move away from the one who satisfies us with his love. We, we know from, from Jesus' response that this technique will be centered around God's word. That's what Jesus says in verse 4. When he's tempted to take a shortcut, he says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is an incredible thing he says. The thing that sustains us, that gives us strength and breath and life, the thing that lifts our, our spiritual blood sugar level, it's the word of God. That's the place where we experience God's love. That's the place where we hear his voice of love. That's the place where we learn to delight in his love. It's, it's in his word. One of, my, one of my favorite Christian writers is a Catholic priest named Henry Nouwen. Uh, and he has a little book called In the Name of Jesus. Anybody, anybody read the book In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen? 
uh, I, I highly recommend this book. Um, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my favorites. And I, I have basically made it a point after I read it the first time I said, I probably need to read this. I probably need to read this book, uh, every, every year for the rest of my life. If I'm in ministry, uh, it's a, it's a short book on Christian leadership. And it's basically a reflection on the three temptations of Jesus in Matthew four, right? That it was actually, that was the idea behind this, this series. And so a lot of the things, a lot of reflections that I'm talking about are, are inspired by the things that Nowen says, but the technique that Nowen recommends for us to grow in our experience of being beloved by God is what he calls contemplative prayer. And so I want to finish tonight by talking about uh, this idea of contemplative prayer. And, and we're actually going to not just talk about it. We're going to do it together. We're going to practice it together. Uh, and, and I want to offer this, even though it's something that we're going to do tonight as a, as a group, this is something that you can do in your own daily devotional time. Uh, it's a way of slowing down and taking a, a deeper dive into the Bible because f- for Christians, the reason to read the Bible is not merely to learn more information about God. We actually want to hear and respond to His voice of love towards us. We actually want to experience it. And, and I really believe that if, if we learn how to pray like this, that we can raise our expectations for what we might experience when we have time in God's Word, that we might start to hear His voice, the whisper of His voice in our hearts, reminding us that He loves us and, and He's with us. You, you can do this with any passage in Scripture. Uh, personally, I find it easiest to use a passage from one of the four Gospels or from the Psalms. And, and that's what we're going to use tonight. We're going to use Psalm 34, verses 1 to 10, which I was reminded of as I reflected on Matthew 4. There's lots of language about hungering and getting our fill from God. There's a verse that says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And so what's going to happen is that Nyla is going to read through it once. She's going to read through the entire 10 verses. And and as she does, we're all going to practice praying this together. I, I want you to just try and pay attention to how it hits you and how it makes you feel. And we'll, and we'll pause for about a minute. And then Alex is going to read through the whole, the whole passage a second time. And, and this time I want you to see which particular words or phrases stand out to you. What are the things that are catching your mind? You're going to hear words like, I sought the Lord. You're going to hear words like, taste and see. You're going to hear words like, open your mouth. What, what stands out to you? And then I want you to think, we're, we're going to take a few moments after that to reflect again. Why did that stand out to you? And then we're going to pause, and then we're going to read it a third time. Then Dolph is going to read it through the third time, the same passage. And after he reads, we're going to have a time of of corporate prayer. This is actually now our chance to respond to God's Word to us. We're we're turning how the passage has hit us into short prayers, and maybe just one-sentence prayers. It it could be a prayer of thanks or a confession or asking for help or praising God. Uh, But we're actually going to pray together out loud. And I'd ask you to, to please pray out loud as you're led and to unmute yourself so we can be blessed by hearing each other and praying together. And then after a few minutes of this, I'll, I'll read the passage one final time, just as an invitation to receive God's word of love to you. This is something that you can do on your own uh, any day. I, I would say on an even passage, you probably would spend maybe five to 20 minutes doing this. And I'd encourage you, if you ever end up doing this kind of thing by yourself, to, to read it out loud when you, read, when you read the Bible out loud, you're, you're doubling the senses that you're using. You're using uh, your eyes and your ears all of a sudden, right? Um, it's like you're praying twice. And, and, and I encourage you to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to try it now together. And I'm going to lead us through it. So if this feels a little weird or confusing or if you've never done anything like this, no, no problem. I'm going to lead us through it. But we're going to enter now 
into a time of prayer together. So, uh, Abby, if you'd please put the passage up on the screen, and then uh, Nyla's going to do the first reading, and I'll guide us along as we go. Let's come to the Lord together in prayer right now.